You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. All right, how many of you have heard the term oxygen truths? Anyone heard that before? Okay, I wasn't sure. Someone introduced it to me, um, but the name kind of defines what it is. It's basically truths that are so vital, um, so important, that they are as important as breathing. Okay, and so especially when you take it in a specific field or a specific endeavor. So to give you a few examples, um, when you're driving, uh, one thing that would be considered an oxygen truth is always check your blind spot before switching lanes, right? Like that will keep you alive. That's an important thing to know while you're driving. Um, When handling guns, treat every gun like it's loaded. Um, That's something that I was taught as a little kid, even with toy guns. Like I wasn't allowed to point them at people because that'll keep you alive. Um, When playing basketball, I should ask the coach, coach is before this, but Um, ball handling is breathing. That would be an oxygen truth. If you can't handle the ball, if you can't take care of the ball, um, you're done for, all right? And then when eating out, never order seafood at a gas station, okay? (laughs) Don't don't ask. No, I'm just kidding. That's never happened to me. Uh, I was just thinking of an absurd one to throw in there, okay? So you get the point. Basically, to be successful in certain endeavors, there are essential truths that you've got to understand, and and they're just as important as breathing, um, if you will, to kind of follow that analogy. And there are essential truths in the Christian life to know as well. Um, For example, you need to know that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not of works. We cannot earn favor with God. We cannot merit heaven. Okay, we cannot merit a relationship with him. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's an oxygen truth. Um, One that often is not presented enough in churches. We need to hear that. And not just unbelievers, but believers. We need to remember that. The gospel not just, doesn't just save us, it helps us continue, all right? Another oxygen truth is the purpose of your life as a Christian. Man, that is so powerful to know that you were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That'll, that'll really shape your life. Another thing to know is your identity in Christ. It's amazing to know that you um, are not defined by what you accomplished, okay? So, so you are not defined by what you're able to achieve. You're defined by your union with Christ, And what he's done on your behalf. What a freeing way to live. And as we jump into our passage today, we're going to look at three more oxygen truths in the Christian life that Paul says, look, I am so earnest. I am praying for you guys that you will understand these truths, that that God would send his spirit to work in your hearts, to open the eyes of your heart, to enlighten you, and to give you wisdom to apply these truths to your life. In other words, if you can get these truths and, and really grasp them at the heart level, They have the potential to transform your life. And as I was reading them and studying them, um, that's when it kind of, the the, the thought popped in. These are like oxygen for the Christian. Um, These really are things that for me as a Christian, I found to be like a breath of fresh air that I need to kind of persevere in the faith. All right, so before we jump in the passage, I do want to give you just a a little bit of background. Um, Last message, we rejoiced in the fact that the triune God determined in eternity past to purchase us as his children and to use us to spread a passion for his glory. We, we saw that last week. We saw that we were chosen by the Father, that we were redeemed by the Son, and that we were sealed by the Spirit. And in today's passage, it's going to kind of flow right after that passage, and we'll see a prayer report from the Apostle Paul. And so he starts by thanking God for the faith and the love of these believers, and then he's going to pray that God would send his Spirit to impress Three key truths on their hearts. The truths are the hope that God has for them, um, the love that God pours out on them, and then the power that is available to them. Those are the three truths that we'll walk through together. 
And so this passage, actually, if you think of it, doesn't just give us three truths to, to live on, to hold on too tight, to make sure that we apply to our lives. It also gives us a, a model for prayer. You know, we talked about last week how we focus a lot on physical blessings, right? We want our bills paid and, and we want health and we want success. And, and those things aren't necessarily wrong, but we often forget about spiritual blessings. And we rejoice in the fact last week that all spiritual blessings are ours in Christ. And in a similar way, in our prayer lives, how often are we praying for physical things, right? When we do a prayer request after the service, a lot of times it's physical problems. And that's not wrong. Please don't take me as saying that it's wrong to only pray for physical things. But when you look at the prayers through the scriptures, you'll find that there is a priority on spiritual. There is a priority on on what God is doing in our souls, in our inner man. And there's not some divide between physical and spiritual. In fact, they're, they're very connected. But when Paul says, I'm praying for you, he doesn't talk a lot about physical things here. In fact, he doesn't talk at all about that. Instead, he lists three things. And, and as we walk through these, as you hear them and say, man, I need that truth. I need to hold on to that truth. Don't just see it as something to apply to your life, but say, I'm going to start praying. This is how Paul prayed. That God would open our eyes and help us understand this. And so I'm going to start praying that God would help me come to a deeper understanding of these awesome truths. All right. And so today's sermon outline was a lot easier than last week. If you remember last week um, in the Greek, 3 through 14 is one long sentence. So it was really hard for me to break up. This week, it's like, oh, three points. Bam, right there. So Paul, Paul hooked me up here. So um, Paul, if you're listening, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and jump in um, in verse 15. And we'll read two verses. Uh, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So again, Paul opens this section by encouraging them with the fact that, hey, I'm praying for you. And and he says, I'm I'm rejoicing and I'm thanking God for you. And, And I want you to notice what he's thanking God for. He said, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I listened to a sermon on this passage a few weeks ago um, by Ligon Duncan, and he brought out an application here that was super encouraging to me as a pastor. He said, notice um, that when Paul is praising God for this, this church in Ephesus, he's not saying, hey, it's awesome you had record attendance last week. It's awesome that your bank account was just full. It's awesome that you added on to your building. Isn't that interesting? He's not rejoicing about the things that we put so much emphasis on. He's saying, you know what I've heard? I've heard about your faith in Jesus. And I'm thanking God for that. And I've heard about your love. Not not to just the saints in your gathering, but your love toward all the saints. And he said, I'm thanking God for that. And so do you want a model for a dynamic church? It's not about bodies, buildings, and budgets. It's about faith in Jesus and love toward the saints. That's what Paul's thanking God for. And that's what we ought to rejoice in also. It's not bad to see a great crowd, but if that's, if that's your win, then you're missing it because we can draw a crowd with a hot dog stand, right? And that's not a win for us. A win is faith in Jesus and love toward the saints. And if that's what we have in this gathering, that's something to thank God for. I was really encouraged by that as, as I looked at that. Let's continue in verse 17. He says now what he's actually praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope 
to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So again, here Paul lays out specifically what he's praying for. And he's saying, look, I am asking God to send his spirit to work in your hearts so that he can open the eyes of your hearts. And I think the eyes of your hearts actually emphasize that this is more than just head knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. This is heart knowledge. This is something that is deep within us. And what does he ask for? He, he's asking for revelation. Revelation is just the uncovering of something that was previously hidden. So if you came in today and, and you saw this big object on the stage with a big sheet over it, um, you wouldn't know what was under the sheet. You could take guesses and things like that. But until I pulled the sheet away and revealed it, um, that it was a giant birthday cake for Josh, even though it's not his birthday, I was like, oh, I should think of something. Um, then you wouldn't know what was under the sheet, right? And in, in a similar way, there are certain truths in the Christian life that God has to reveal to us. And so, so that's what Paul is praying. And then wisdom here, he, he prays for revelation and wisdom. Wisdom refers to the ability to actually apply that knowledge. That's what wisdom is talking about here. And, and what does he want them to understand? He says, I want your hearts enlightened that you would know, first of all, the hope to which he has called you. And so I've worded that first point this way, the hope God has called you to. That's the first thing Paul says, I'm praying, I'm asking God to open your eyes, to help you understand this, to impress this truth upon your hearts. I'm praying that you would understand the hope that God has called you to. As I mentioned in the beginning of the service, hope is a massive theme in the Bible. Um, and it refers to the glorious future that Christians have to look forward to. Man, it's an awesome thing to have that hope. We have this hope. A small example of the future hope include perfect righteousness. I don't know about you, but to know that one day I'm no longer going to struggle with sin, that's awesome. That is just awesome that, that I'm going to be perfectly righteous and I'm no longer going to have these wicked thoughts and these horrible, horrible sins that I have to fight with. Perfect righteousness. Not only that, eternal life. Death is the great enemy of human beings. Right? Death, death is horrible. We hate it. And yet, when, when we are in that new creation, we don't have to fear death. There will be no more death. Glorified bodies. Now, again, um, you may be saying, you're pretty young to be looking forward to that. But even now, I am. Okay? I'm looking forward to that glorified body. Um, with, with, think about this. Okay? We're not going to be floating around in spirits. The Bible says we're getting a new body okay, with perfect minds, with perfect energy. Can you think of that? Can you think of the abilities that we'll have with, these, with this body at full potential and no pain and no sickness and no tears? That's our hope. So, so when, you're, when you're struggling this week and you blow your nose and throw your back out and you're like, what is going on? Remember, hey, one day I'm getting a perfect body because of Christ. Let that overflow into praise to the Lord. Not only that, a renewed creation. Isn't that awesome to think about? Again, um, Hollywood has kind of put this picture in our minds that heaven is us floating in clouds with, with little angel wings and, and playing harps. And, and that's just not what the Bible says, okay? The Bible says there's actually going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And so everything you love about this creation, some of you love it more, some of you love it less, but, but we can all agree that this is an amazing, beautiful creation. The Bible says that God is going to make a new creation. So everything that's beautiful about this, but perfect, that's, that's what we have to look forward to. I don't know about you, but I can't wait uh, to, to, to just be running in the new creation with my perfect body and my Savior next to me. That's awesome. Not only that, perfect, unending fellowship with God himself. Can you imagine that? I don't know about you, but when I go to pray, sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I get distracted. 
And, and it's so frustrating because I'm like, God, you're the treasure of my life. Why do, I, why do I start praying? And then my mind starts to wander. God, I just want to be with you and I want to know you and I want to talk with you. And to think that one day I'm going to sit in his presence with a whole host of saints that have been bought by the blood of Christ and just be in his presence and actually experience that perfect fellowship that's, that's not hindered by anything. That's our hope as Christians. And that's just a small glimpse. One thing that I do often um, in our gatherings, especially in my messages, um, in December, I think it was in almost every message, um, but I read for you question 52 of the New City Catechism, because this kind of summarizes our hope um, in a very memorable way, and I would encourage you, download that app and just read this often, okay? When you're watching the news and it seems like the whole world is falling apart, pull out question 52 and read this. What hope does everlasting life hold for us? It reminds us that this present fallen world is not all there is. Soon we will live with and enjoy God forever in the new city, in the new heaven, in the new earth, where we will be fully and forever freed from all sin and will inhabit renewed resurrection bodies and a renewed, restored creation. That's our hope if you're a believer today. Now, I do have to say one more thing about this because when we think of hope, um, we often think of like, uh, I hope that this happens, right? So, so you're looking at the weather and it clearly says 100% chance of rain. And you're like, man, I hope it doesn't rain. And it's like, well, I mean, it's 100%. Like, come on. I mean, all right. Or, or like you're, you're looking at something that's clearly going to happen. Um, like, okay, I'm speeding. Uh, I really hope I don't get a ticket. I really hope I don't get, it's like, what, what do you expect, right? Or, or like the guy who walks through the house with his muddy boots and says, I hope my wife's not angry, right? Like that's just foolish, That is not how the Bible describes hope. The Bible word for hope is a confident expectation. It's something that's guaranteed to happen. Okay, so so you need to understand that as you you attempt to apply this to to your life. Now, one one more thought before we move on to the next point. If we're honest, I think we often place our hope in the wrong things. Even as believers. Sometimes it's our relationships. Sometimes we have all of our hope set in this other person who is the one, right? Who's just going to complete me. Who's going to meet me in all my brokenness and just love me. It's going to be perfect, unending fellowship with one another. And, and that's how it is for Shane and I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But, but that's, that's, how, that's how we think in our culture. And that's what Hollywood, again, is like pushing in your face. You just need to find the one. And, and they're going to complete you. And we put all of our hope in this relationship, and when it doesn't meet our expectations, it falls apart. That's not a good place for your hope. Not only that, but material goods. Man, as long as money's in the bank, as long as our bills are paid, as long as there's food on the... Man, I, I, I just, as long as... If I could just get to this, and we have this like, idea that if we could just get here, we're here right now, but if we could just get here, that, then we'll be good. Like Just this much money in our bank account, and we'll be, we'll be happy. And then we get there and we're like, well, just a little bit more. And it's just this game that we play. And that's not a good place to put your hope. Comfort. Man, I just, I want to be comfortable. If I can just be comfortable and enjoy myself, it's not a good place for hope. Success. That's one I've struggled with. Man, if we can just have success in this endeavor, then man, I'm going to be stoked. I'm going to be so excited. And then I get to that mark and then I want more. It's, it's not going to satisfy. How about this? Politics. <laughs> How often do people put their hope in political uh, people who are running for office and think if this person could just get elected, all our problems will go away. Let me tell you, that's a bad place to put your hope. 
So as Christians, let's get our eyes off of those things. And let's remember the hope that we've been called to. The the hope that is glorious, that involves perfect, unending fellowship with our creator who can satisfy our souls. And, and, And Peter talks of this, and Paul talks of this as well, as something that we can partake in, in a sense, now. And so think on that hope, dwell on that hope, focus on that hope, and let it shape the way you live tomorrow and the next day. It's it's amazing when you think about the hope that we have. This brings us to the second petition. He says in verse 18, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So he says, I don't want you to just know the hope God has for you. I also want you to know that, that there's a glorious inheritance Okay, now when I first read this, the first thought was, oh cool, this is talking about our inheritance that we're going to receive. But if you look closely, it actually says his, not ours. That kind of threw me for a loop. It doesn't say our inheritance, it says his inheritance. His glorious inheritance. And I love how Paul, again, he just, it seems like in chapter 1, he's just like grabbing words and just throwing them, right? Because he just wants you to experience this. And he's stretching um, the, the vocabulary that's available to him to try to express this. He doesn't just say his inheritance or his glorious inheritance. He says the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So what is his inheritance? Well, it says the saints. Those people who are holy because of their union with Christ. In other words, all believers. So, so again, let's back up and say, well, why would Paul pray so hard that we would understand God's inheritance? Like, right? Like, what, why, wouldn't God, why wouldn't Paul pray that we would understand our inheritance? And again, some people do take that interpretation from this. I, I take it as God's. Um, you can wrestle with that later. But, but why would Paul pray for that, that we would understand God's inheritance? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. So let me put it to you this way, okay? If you could choose anything in the universe... Okay, to receive as your inheritance, what would you choose? Just think about that for a minute. You don't have to say it out loud. We might not want to hear what it is, okay? Maybe an unlimited supply of funds. Maybe a mansion on the ocean. Maybe a parking garage full of sports cars. Threw that one in for you guys. <laughs> so so when, you think of, when you think of, man, if I could choose anything for my inheritance, what would it be? I want you to think about that. Okay, now, with that in mind, remember that God is the infinite, all-powerful creator of all things, which means he is actually in a spot where he can choose anything for his inheritance. And what does he choose? He chose you. And he chose me. He chose us. And so I think, number one, Paul says, I want you to understand the hope that you've been called to. But number two, I want you to understand the love that God has poured out on you. I want you to understand that you are his treasured possession. That you are his treasured inheritance. You are the riches of his inheritance that he's looking forward to enjoying forever. I mean, I don't know. If, if you just look around for a minute, you say, like, this is what, <laughs> this is what God's, like, all stoked up about? Like, yeah. But, but that's, that's what goes back to, in, in the first passage that we looked at, what Christ has done in our lives. Right? He, he loves us, he gave his life for us, and he's actually working in us to transform us into his beautiful bride that's going to be this glorious inheritance in the saints for God to enjoy. You see, this is, this is why I call this an oxygen truth. The first one, man, that hope, that'll get you through stuff. Knowing the hope you have, but this to know that you're secure in God's love, that he loves you right now in all of your brokenness. He calls you his treasured possession. 
That he, that he doesn't love a future version of you when you get your act together. That he loves you right now because of what Christ has accomplished on your behalf. Talk about oxygen. Talk about fresh air. We don't have to earn his love. He loves us because he loves us. That's the only way to explain it. And so rest in his love today. But that, that's why Paul's saying, you, you need to get this. And in fact, God has to send his spirit to show and open the eyes of your heart and enlighten you to understand this because you don't. You don't really understand how much God loves you. And you're not going to understand until the new creation. To wake up every day and to know that in Christ, God loves me perfectly as his child. What an amazing truth to live by. We are God's inheritance. We are his treasured possession. If that doesn't fill you with awe and delight and wonder, I don't know what will. One, one commentator said this, Paul prays that his readers might appreciate the extraordinary value which God places on them. That, that's what he's praying for. Like, you guys need to understand this, that you and all of your messed up brokenness are God's inheritance. It goes back to an Old Testament theme where he says what? I will be your God and you will be my people. God is our inheritance and we are his inheritance. I think we get the better end of the deal there, right? But man, praise God that we're secure in his love. We don't have to earn it. This brings us to the final petition in the passage. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So to kind of summarize where we've been, the first one is, hey, you, you've got to understand your hope. You just got to. It'll get you through stuff. And then number two, you've got to know how secure you are in God's love and all the love that he's just poured out on you, that he's looking forward to enjoying you. The Bible says he actually sings over us as his children. Like that's a lot of love. And then he says, and here's the last thing. I'm praying that God would help you understand the power God has given you, the power that God has given you. He said, you, don't, you just don't understand how much power you have. He's saying, like, you need the Holy Spirit again to open the eyes of your heart, to give you revelation and wisdom so that you can understand just how much power is available to those who are in Christ. That's what he's saying here. And notice again um, that, that Paul is just kind of throwing words to express this thought. Right? He says it's not just power and it's not just great power. It's the immeasurable greatness of his power. Right, a few weeks ago, we talked about scripture meditation. And one thing that I recommended is just going through a verse and doing one word at a time. So if you were to say the, I probably wouldn't focus on that much longer. Okay, but the immeasurable. Just stop and think about immeasurable. There's a lot of things you can think about there. And, and then go to the next word, greatness of his power. Okay, so you can walk through that and be like, wow. Again, Paul's just like grabbing words. and saying, I'm trying to help you guys understand this. Like it's not just power. Like it's the immeasurable greatness of his power. And then he goes on one of his little rants. I love the Apostle Paul's little rants where he just totally just, just continues the thought and just goes off on a rabbit trail. And in verse 19 through 23, he's trying to express this power for us. Okay, so let's look at it. He says, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what is he saying there? He's saying the power that is available to you, those of you who believe, those of you who are in Christ, is the same power God used to raise him from the dead, to seat him at his right hand in heavenly places, and to subject all things under his feet. That power is available to you if you're in Christ today. Mind-blowing. I prayed for that power before preaching today. Because we just don't, we don't believe it. We don't feel it. We don't experience it. That's a lot of power. And it's all available to us. That's the power available to help you in your marriage. That's the power available to help you in your parenting. That's the power available to help you at school and at work and, and in temptations and in struggles of this life. That power is available to you if you're in Christ today. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you if you believe today. Now, again, as you hear me talk about this, you may find that hard to believe. Because you just don't seem to experience this power in your life. I've been there. But many times that's just because we simply haven't tapped into the power. I've, I've used this illustration before, but I thought about um, having one of the kids go in the closet and grab the vacuum and show us this, but I won't embarrass you guys. But if we were to grab the vacuum and, and we were just to, just to say, all right, start vacuuming, but we didn't let him plug it in. What would happen? Not a lot. A lot of motion, a lot of activity, maybe some sweat, but really no, <laughs> no success. <laughs> Lots of dirt on the floor still. Running around with a vacuum and no power. That's what we look like when we don't tap into the power available to us in Christ. And if we're honest, we do that all the time. All the time. We wake up and we rush into our day without one time saying, God, can you help me today? Can you help me be salt and light? In this dark world? Can, can you fill me with power? Can you remind me of the hope? God, it's a, it's a broken world out there. And I'm about to leave my home and rush headfirst into it. And I, I need your power today. It's available. But if we're honest, we just don't ask. We don't plug the vacuum in. So we're running around with a whole lot of activity and no power. And, and Paul's saying, you've got to understand how much power is available to you. Like, you just have to understand it. And so when I pray for you, I'm not saying, God, send them more people and and give them bigger building and give them more money. No, I'm praying that you'd understand the power available to you in Christ. That's a lot of power. And so how do we do this on a practical level? Well, I think we commit ourselves, just like Paul did, to praying regularly for a deeper understanding of this. Because I just, I don't think we grasp it enough. I really don't. I don't think we really understand this. Like this, this takes spiritual enlightenment from God himself to understand this. And so we just gotta, we gotta start praying. If you got a prayer list, add this to your prayer list. Add these three things. But, but not only that, we've gotta believe by faith that this power is truly ours. Not mental assent, right? But the eyes of our heart. Understanding, this is, like, this is really mine. This is really mine in Christ. And then we simply have to act in the strength that God supplies. So let's take a, a simple illustration, okay? You could take witnessing. You could take um, in an in a intense conversation with your spouse. Okay, you could take anxiety. You could take all sorts of things. Okay, but let's let's just grab anxiety and focus on what would happen if we would remember the power. Okay, sometimes anxiety comes up. We're actually the most anxious generation, um, I think, ever. <laughs> and part of it is from our smartphones and constantly being connected. But that's another sermon. Okay, but we're very anxious, and sometimes anxiety just comes out of nowhere, and you really don't know where it's coming from. 
And listen, I know there's some, some severe um, forms of that, that that maybe take more intensive care. But let's take a, a simple example and say, okay, the anxiety comes. What do we do? Well, I think in that moment, what I, what I do, because I experience it sometimes, is I'm going to immediately pray that God would help me. I'm just going to call out for help. God, help. I need your help with this. I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. This fear, this doubt, this anxiety. And then I'm going to grab onto a specific promise in his word. I'm going to grab onto it and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to bank on it. Okay? And then I'm going to act in the strength based on that promise. Like, well, that's really simple. But if you go through that, it really does help. Take witnessing. I see someone and I'm like, man, I think I, think I should try to reach out to them and just talk about Jesus. Okay, God, help me. Okay, I'm going to remember the verse. Okay, Jesus, you said you're going to be with me all the way to the end of the world if I go and make disciples. So I'm, I'm banking on that right now, Jesus. Like, you said that. And I'm going to grab all of that and I'm going to act in the strength that God supplies. And it's really as simple as that. Ask for help, bank on his promises, and act in the strength that he supplies. And you'll grow in it over time. And so that's why I say take, take scripture. And if you need me to help with this, I will. I'll get you all the verses on a specific thing that you struggle with. Okay, and so for anxiety, I, I go to the one, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by praying supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And I think of that and I say, God, help me. Help me not to be anxious about this. And so you, you take and you ask God for help. You, you rely on a promise with faith and you act in strength. Whatever situation you're struggling with. And it, it might not happen immediately, but you are going to grow in this and you are going to understand and experience this power more in your life. So as we close today, I want you to write these th- three truths down because I want you to pray for them this week. That's what Paul's doing, right? That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, hey, I'm praying for you that you'd understand this. And so, hey, maybe we should pray for this as well. So I want you to pray for these these truths. Pray that God's spirit would open the eyes of your heart, that you could understand these truths on a deeper level. Ask him for wisdom to apply these truths to your daily life, okay? And then meditate and pray through them this week. Pray about the future hope that you have. Say, God... Would you help me understand how great my hope is? Pray about that hope. Pray about the amazing love God has for you. God, I really just don't get it. I don't get how much you love me. As human beings, we constantly make other people earn our love. That's just how we are. And so it just, it doesn't make sense to me that you love me because you love me. That just doesn't make sense. And I need your help to understand that. And then pray, God, help me to understand the power that's available to me. Hope, love, and power. That's what we're praying for. And so in summary, here's, here's the challenge that I want to give you. Live full of hope, secure in God's love, and dependent on his power. I tried to just cram the three into one sentence because I, I didn't know how to do it any better. This is, this is our life right here. These are oxygen truths that we just breathe as Christians. We live full of hope. No matter how bad it looks, we have hope. Right? No matter who gets elected, we have hope. No matter how bad the news is from the doctor, we have hope. We live full of hope. We live secure in God's love, not trying to earn his love, not trying to come to church to check a box, not giving money to try to earn his favor. That's not how it works. He loves you because he loves you. Rest secure in that love. And then we live dependent on his power. And can I just say, not just for like spiritual activities, like everything. Like God, I've got no energy right now to unload the dishwasher. Could you, could you help me? I do that. I know it's weird, but I do that. 
with everything in my life. I'm like, God, can you just help me if I remember? I'm not perfect at it. But, but we're dependent on his power. Every step is a step of faith. Ask God to impress these truths onto your heart so they become as natural as breathing. When you feel discouraged, think on the great hope you have. When you feel worthless, remember how much God loves you. And when you feel weak, rely on the immeasurable power you have in Christ. Live full of hope, secure in God's love, and dependent on his power.